let me get going if we can. So this is my friend. I'm going to let him just tell us your name, your wife's name, kids' names. Tell us about your family, any yes. bit of that first off. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm truly honored to be here. Uh, such a beautiful day. Um, I'm back to Charlestown for the first time in about 10 years. Well, not today, but I uh, just got hired as the, as the basketball coach this past school year. Um, and before then, I was a graduate of Charlestown High School in 1997. I was able to go to Bowdoin College for four years. And then I started my teaching career in 2002 at Charlestown High up until 2008. And then I ended up moving around the city. So again, my first year back. Um, but my name is Hugh Coleman. Um, I've been married now, going on this uh, August, it'll be 17 years with my wife, Emily Hunter Coleman. Uh, we met uh, when I was, uh, my mother was living in Lynn. <laughs> um, and then we have four beautiful children. Our oldest daughter is Jordan Hunter Coleman. She's 16 years old. She goes to uh, Buckingham Brown and Nichols, the private school in Cambridge. She's doing really well. Uh, she's been in London this summer. <laughs> um, then we have our next son. Is uh, his uh, next child is Jalen Hunter Coleman. He's 12 years old. He's a sixth grader, and he's in the MECO program. You all familiar with the MECO program in the city? And he goes to school in Hingham, so he, he commutes from home. It's about 30 minutes every day. Um, and then our son Julian. He goes by the name King, King Julian, and he is in a room. Uh, he's six years old. There's a little story behind that. Um, and then our, we just, uh, we will be celebrating our second year with our youngest daughter, J Jada. Uh, she'll be two, July 15th. And so that's our little thing. Tell us about uh, kind of your history with this neighborhood when you ended up here, like as a kid. Tell us a little bit about that. So it all uh, started uh, growing up. Uh, I am the second oldest of nine. Uh, I was the oldest of eight. My oldest brother sort of moved away when I was like six years old, six, seven. So all the kids that came after me, I sort of been responsible for. And we were in a, a time of uh, little trials and tribulations when I was younger. My mother was struggling with addiction. And, um, uh, out of the nine, children, there were five different fathers, but no one had ever really been in our lives, so we didn't really have a father, and we were in a foster home where my mother was going through rehab, and she had a boyfriend um, who was helping her through that, and he had an apartment on 50 Monument Street, right in the projects, and um, as she was recovering, um, she would stay there often. I was coming out of middle school, and in the Boston public school system, in order to figure out what high school you're going to go to, uh, you have to sort of fill out uh, um, like a lottery system. You have to figure out your top five choices. And Charleston High was my fifth choice. And uh, the grace of God, he worked it out and had me come from Dorchester all the way to Charlestown. And uh, when I first got here, well, the reason why I even put Charlestown is because my mother's boyfriend lived there, and she had said, I want you to be close to home, close to me uh, if you're going to go to high school. Um, there was no real strategic planning in that, because if that was the case, I would have had to chose, choose Charlestown first to, or second to, like, sort of guarantee I do it. She just 
that, that I'd be here as a student. But she told me to put it down. I put it down as number five. And, um, and so the God worked it out. And so I started off my journey uh, here. Um, and uh, I think that was like 1993 is when I started. Um, very interesting time. <laughs> very interesting. So now tell everybody, if you will, just kind of how you came back to the high school and your yeah. role here. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and how you felt like God was even working that out. So when he brought me here then, uh, obviously I was born and raised in Dorchester my whole life up until that point. And when I started to come over here, um, like I was saying, it was an interesting time because it was the, the, the projects had um, you know, families of color living in it, but still what uh, townies would also be living in the, between uh, Newtown and, the, and then here and then outside of the projects. And uh, I just remember one of my first times uh, experiencing the community was when I was just, my, uh, came over the first time to visit my mother's boyfriend, we're here, and I'm just like, oh, let me walk around the community and just see what's going on. And uh, I walked around the block and there were two uh, uh, white kids sitting on the uh, steps. And I'm sort of like, hey, what's up? And uh, and their response was not, hey, what's up? Their response was like, you know, hey, nigga, what are you doing in this neighborhood? And like chased me around the corner and I like ran back to the house. And I'm like, oh, that was not eventful. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I was like, wow. So going into school year, I, I was under the assumption, like coming from Dorchester, never really being in Charlestown, I assumed that the majority of the, of the community was predominantly white. So I, I thought the school would be predominantly <laughs> white. And I was like, to myself, I was almost like, why did my mother want me to come to this school? Like, but then when I walked into the doors for the first time, it was like all students of color and there weren't many uh, student, white students, uh, white kids from Charlestown who actually went to the school. Many of them went to like CM or Malden Catholic, or back then it used to be Don Bosco, which was a Catholic school. And so that was very interesting to me. Um, but while I was here, I did meet some, some, some Charlestown townies who I became really good friends with, who welcomed me into the community. Uh, Ian Urquhart, uh, Nicole Matson, uh, Monique Matarazzo, who's now Kelly Unidas, who works at the school. Uh, Greg Poole, uh, we played football together. So I played football with some of the uh, guys. I you know, just had class with some of the, the folks, Diane Ferreira, um, just different folks who, after school, I now had people in this community that I knew and I actually welcomed me and actually not only welcomed me, but made sure that all the kids that they knew knew who I was and that I was cool and I wasn't to be messed with. And so instantaneously, I sort of became welcomed. And it was uh, such a mind shift for me because one of the very uh, first things that we dealt with in the school that year was kind of this riot where after school, we were told to stay on one side of the street to get to the T, to the bus, in order to travel home because the night before there was some uh, fight between uh, some of the white kids and some of the Spanish kids in the, in the projects and it 
sort of boiled over where the next day in school they had police officers outside of the building after school because they thought that there was going to be a mayhem. And on one side where the projects began, there were like tons of like townies, young, you know, young kids, and then there was all of us coming out of school, and then there was like news reporters, and there was a little bit of trouble that happened in between there, a couple of fights, that type of stuff. And so for me, it was just like, wow, like this is very eerie. Like I, you know, you would hear the stories of like when busing first started and those type of things, but to experience that, that was in the nineties. In the nineties, that was very uh, interesting. Um, and I speak of that only because the next few years truly transformed uh, for me in this community and the community. I watched the transformation. Partly, my, my basketball coach was Jack O'Brien. He was a white uh, guy who lived in Medford, and he had accepted the coaching job in 93, the first year I became a freshman. And uh, he started to transform the basketball program, but not just from a basketball standpoint, character-wise. He was big on character. And then actually spiritually, he was big on that with us as well. And as our basketball team got better and started to be like in, the, in a positive light around the community, around the state, there was this shift where folks were coming to the games and there was this different level of pride coming from Charlestown because our basketball team was in this very positive spotlight. And at the same time, as I continued to grow up here in the community, with you know some of my friends who were born and raised here, you know I was now being invited to supper uh, into people's homes. Um, I was asked to be a camp counselor at the at the at the community center, which transcended everything from that point because now I'm working with parents and I'm working with their kids, and the boys and girls club. There was always like this competition between the Boys and Girls Club camp every summer and the community center camp every summer. And with the Boys and Girls Club's camp, it was a little more pricey and, you know, it was a little more in some ways exclusive and, you know, you couldn't actually get in it. And then our camp was well affordable, very low, and eventually it was like, it grew each year and it grew Partly because myself and Monique Matarazzo came in and we were like, okay, well, this is our camp. Let's figure out all the fun things that we can do. And so Monique was very instrumental in finding partners to uh, fund the, the museum trip or buses to beaches and, you know, and myself just trying to be my normal charismatic, really happy, outgoing. Like, it was my favorite job of all, all, all time because I was like, I just get to come and be a kid all day long and act like a big kid to little kids and how much they feed off of that. Like, they just love it. And so before you know it, by the time we got to our third summer, going into our third summer, our camp was sold out with a waiting list and many of the kids that were going to the camp at the club were coming down cool. like, to get into our camp. So it was really awesome to see that transition over time. And so that really 
shaped me a lot when I went off to college. Will you share really briefly about Coach O'Brien? Yeah. Because I know he's such a huge part of your story. Yes. And then pivot from that over to now you being the yeah. head coach at Charlestown. Yeah. So not having, not having a direct father figure all the time. Um, I, uh, when I like to give my, my testimony about my life, um, I absolutely like to talk about the goodness of God because my mother struggled pretty much all the way up into my teenage years with drugs and alcohol. And we had no consistent father figure. But God put different people in my life, my uncle at times, my great aunt who kept six kids, she was 70 years old, when my mother, we lost, we got taken away by child services, and my mother had to go to rehab, and we lived with like a 70-year-old lady, my aunt, who I had never met until that time, because she was my youngest brother, we have different fathers, aunt, great aunt, <laughs> and she kept us in that transist that changed things and so that opened up the door for me to come into Charlestown. I met Coach O'Brien and Coach O'Brien just became that father figure. And he became that father figure through basketball. Started through basketball. Like let's build a relationship. Hey, do you want to go to the YMCA and just work out and show you how to become a better ball player? But see his tactic was inviting you to work out and you're like, yeah I want to go play basketball and then after basketball we went over to, uh, I think it was Papa Gino's, and we sat and ate, and we talked for a few hours, and we talked about life, and, 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 and my perspective on life, and my goals on life, and that's when we started to do that type of work. And over the years, it went from just being a great relationship, we're going to play basketball, we're in school, to, hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? And so that's when our relationship grew uh, so far that far. So I got to my senior year, and uh, I had no idea really what I was going to do for college. It really still was not clear if I was going to college. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to apply to a few schools. I want you to apply to Tufts University. I want you to apply to Bates College, Bowdoin College, Middlebury College. I'm like, I've never heard of these schools in my life. <laughs> they're in Maine, they're in Vermont. Like, are they even good schools? Like, come on. And uh, he had a plan, we went, we visit. He drove me personally up to uh, Bowdoin, up to Bates, uh, to Tufts, and he lived in Meffin. Um, and I still wasn't clear on when I wanted to go, when it was time to make a decision. So he drove me back to Bowdoin, back to Bates, back to, again, and, to, and then I finally made a decision. And what crystallized our relationship. So now I'm off, on my own. So long, Coach O'Brien, my high school coach. You know, you're a high school guy, now I'm in college. And I'm struggling. I'm struggling in, uh, at Bowdoin. Not the fact that I was, I was uh, very few, one of few uh, folks of color at the school. Not that. Um, primarily, uh, what, it, what was expected of, me, expected of me to be a learner uh, at, you know, in college and, and to really be a critical thinker. Um, and so Coach O'Brien would periodically check on me. Hey, Hugh, how's it going? And I'd be like, great, it's going good. <laughs> Not going good, but going good. And after maybe a few, a couple months of him asking me that, the spirit told him to check in with the deeds just to make sure that I had the support. 
And there is where God like revealed and they told him, he's not doing well. He's on the verge of getting kicked out of school. And so one night after a basketball game, about nine o'clock at night, it's dark. I'm walking to my dorm. I'm looking and I said, that looks like Coach O'Brien at nine o'clock at night up at Bowdoin, which is two hours away <laughs> from Medford. What is he doing here? And we sat in that car for two hours. And he revealed to me that he had found out everything. He found out where I was at. And he said to me, you cannot lie to me. You have to be honest. This is not high school. Um, you don't have to be held to the same standards that you were there. It's different. And, you know, I'm here to help you. And I just revealed to him, I'm like, well, you're my high school coach. I'm in college now. I just felt like the relationship was over. And then he said to me, no, no, I'm in your life. I'm very much in your life. You know, I consider myself to be like a father to you. And um, I said, yeah, that's how I, I would think too. And I think I remember him saying something like, have I been like a father or have I been a father? And I said, you've, you've been a father. And he goes, okay, well, you don't mind your father. And from that point on, uh, we formed a, like a father-son relationship. And through God and him, I was able to get through Bowdoin, um, and primarily because him and then the belief that I have seven younger brothers and sisters. We coming from this drugs and alcohol and jail and turmoil. If I dare come home without a degree, if I quit, if I give up, then all my brothers and sisters have the right to do the same. And Coach O'Brien said, you want to know what your, your greatest uh, gift to them will be? Being an example. And from him and his support and that hardcore belief, and when I even say that belief, that belief was coupled that I just always had this belief like God had taken care of me and he would continue to take care of me. And so that happened, graduated. And that started my journey back as a, so you as, became, as a teacher. You are an assistant yeah. teacher, right? And yeah. then you went to Brighton. Yes. Tell them what year, what, what was like the pinnacle, sort of the coaching pinnacle of yes, Brighton. Yes, absolutely. So when I was at Charlestown, I came back, came back and I got my first job. I was happy to come back to Charlestown. I was an assistant coach and I was a substitute teacher. Um, that started my career. Uh, at the time, we were on our second in a row state championship here in Charlestown going for number three and number four, lose one, come back and win five and six years. So here at Charlestown, at one point in time, the high school was ranked 25th in the country. We were ranked number one in the state. We had sent the most student athletes, basketball players, from 93 when coach got here to 2006, the most athletes to college, division one, two, and three. We were like 80, we had like 80 or 90 student athletes who had left Charlestown and gone there. So that was like sort of like where the bar was, was measured. Now, I had no interest in Brighton High School, didn't care about Brighton High School, didn't know much about Brighton High School. <laughs> Brighton High School was like the laughing stock of the city, they never won anything, they weren't good. Well, God had something in store for me and them. So when I left Charlestown, I end up uh, just getting a job over at uh, Brighton High School, 
and I was asked to be an assistant under a guy who I had seen around a lot, you know, through the years. Wasn't as good as Coach O'Brien, so I felt like, uh, you know, honestly, humbly, um, I, if you want to offer me the head coaching job, I'd be happy to take it. And I said that because, you know, there were some factors. So I get to the school, and the team didn't win much, and their players had a negative, horrible, terrible relationship. I had uh, with the school and reputation. And the teachers were telling me, you want to kick that kid off the team now before the season even starts and things of that nature. And so that was the major reason why I'm like, well, if he's been here for the last two years and this is the reputation, I'd rather, you know, take over, you know, and try to do my part. So God blessed me with that opportunity. I inherited a team that had an average of a 1.67 GPA. That's a C minus. And in the city of Boston, that's all you need to play sports. And so the mindset was a 167, the behavior was a 167, the grades were a 167. And so I came in right away and said, well, in order to play for me, you gotta have at least 2.0. And you gotta get those grades up. And all these behaviors that I'm hearing about from teachers, if you have that kind of behavior, you can't touch the court. And there was one kid in particular and I knew, whatever, without ever seeing him play basketball, I knew he was the best player. Why? Well, on this side, all of the kids were like, Charlie's the man, Charlie's awesome. Even when I would go back to Dorchester and Roxbury, oh, you're at Bright now? Charlie's the man. But on this side, when I talked to the teachers, throw him off the team now, do not waste your time, he is evil, he's terrible, they let him get away with everything, don't waste your time, it's gonna backfire. So I knew right away who I had to start my journey with. And so from the beginning, I told him the story, I told him about the two sides of him, and I said, well, I've been around long enough, so I know you're probably really popular, you got friends, and they really like you, but these adults, these adults, who are telling me these other elements about you, this is where your area of growth is. And so I started working with Charlie first. So we, our first season, we only won half our games, won about 50%, went to the state tournament for the first time, which was cool. We lost early, um, but it set the groundwork. I will tell you this, Charlie not only for the first time in his school career made the honor roll that year, he was, I had teachers, left and right, what did you do, what are you doing, how did you do this, this is amazing. And that started our journey. Well, let's fast forward just a few more years. We take right into the first ever, the school's first ever state championship in 2012. And in 2012, we had taken a GPA from a 167, we moved it up the next season to like a 1.8, and by 2012, we were at a 2.0 as a whole team. Now, this is where God needed me to minister to my players. So they have seen Brighton do a 180. At the same time, by the way, Coach O'Brien had retired from Charlestown. They hired a new coach. And Charlestown was actually in a descent. And during that time, um, we had phenomenal players. They were really good, and they were making strides in their character. But we get all the way to the state championship. And the night before the game, I'm sitting with my assistant coaches, and I'm saying, what are we gonna do? 
if we win the state tournament, these kids are going to be out of control. Like, we're already getting calls about this in school and that in school. It's like, it's going to go to their head, and it's just, but we're favored to win by 20. Like, we're favored to win, and this is our first state championship. So, like, we're not going to throw the game, but how do we figure out, how do we hold the kids accountable? Like, like if we win, we'll, we'll, hold the, we'll hold the championship banner and the gear and the rings against them to make sure that they finish the school year strong. Well, God had it. We didn't know it, but he had it. So, we're averaging 70 points a game in a tournament. We're playing a team that was like Hoosier, out of a Hoosier story, if you ever heard, heard of or said the movie Hoosiers. These kids had been with each other since the first grade, all the way up to high school. This was the first time in their school history that they made it to the state tournament. Now, our team, big kids, athletic, like kicking butt. Their team just figured it out. You know, got all the way there. Well, final score, 45-41 Maha Regional High School. We scored 41 points. We were averaging 41 points in one half. We scored 41 points. But me and the coaches look at each other and we're like, yes! Because my speech in the locker room was all about God. I said, do you know what God is telling you all right now? We didn't deserve that yet. You, you're making strides, but there were a lot of things that were going on that we taught you about all year, about changing your character and your mindset. And this is God's way of saying, not yet. Close, but I need you to do, get to, I need you to finish that process of becoming the person that you need, the people you need to be. And for us, I told him, we had the second place medal. I'm like, I, feel, I know I'm a state champion. I know what we've accomplished. I know what we were capable of. And God is filling my heart right now with joy. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of it. The kids are crying. They don't want to hear it. But we lose our first state championship opportunity. But God, next year, back to back, we get back to the state championship in dramatic fashion, by the way. We were at the Boston Garden, the game before the state championship, we're playing, um, we're playing, goodness, I forgot, team, maybe in uh, Quincy, we're playing them, and we're doing okay, and we're like, all right, we're going to go back, and we're excited, and then God says, well, let me just test your faith, let me test how far we've come, and we're down by 11 with four minutes to go. They have the ball. We have no momentum. Our guys are putting their head down. Our best player, who was the one who had grown the most, was crying. <laughs> I'm on a bench, and for one moment I said, wow, not again. And I said to myself, something, the spirit is like, you know what? Looked up, stood up, clapped my hands. We got this, guys. Come on. Let's be faithful. Come on. We've been here. The best player who was crying went out. And in the next four minutes, there were people leaving the, the arena. Oh, this is over. In the next four minutes, he scored 13 straight points. We win the game. We move on to the state championship. And in the state championship, we faced a, a South Hadley. Um, and you know what? There was no doubt, no from the start to the finish, 
we, we win the game and win our first ever state championship. And so that, like the story and, and we're coming from Charlestown and taking Brighton from nothing or from where we were at to something, and then our best player being the kid. When I met him as a freshman, he had an ankle bracelet on. But the one thing about this kid, his mother had truly instilled the love of God in him. Because even through his trials and tribulations and his mistakes, he'd always be like praying before the games and he'd always, he'd, I mean, it just was something like where I knew God just had us in that whole spirit. And for him to go from bracelet, ankle bracelet, to the school legitimately trying to expel him to a full Division I scholarship his senior year. That's where God had taken me from the time I left here to Brighton. And so I've been there for, it was a nine-year stint. In 2017, we took a whole new group back to the state championship and won it. So that was our second state championship. But let me just tell you the goodness of God in that one really quickly. Started off with a 1.67 GPA in 2010. In 2017, the entire team for the entire season maintained a 3.0 GPA. Our two best players are now on full scholarship in college. One is at Fordham University, and the other one is at Merrimack University. Cool. And so that's... How many state championship rings do you have? I have seven. I have two, five as an assistant coach here when I was here at Charlestown, and I have two at Brighton. Yeah. I'll tell you my favorite. All right, so I got to tell you my three. So Hugh became the coach here this year. Somebody, uh, the AD had told me, she said, oh, you need to meet uh, Coach. He's really religious, which is uh, always such a funny quote to hear. Uh, but here, was, here are the couple things that really stand out from his story. I and mean, I'm going to ask him a really specific question about our church. Um, one, during tryouts, the story I heard was a uh, kid was kind of nodding off. He was, he was talking to him, and the kid's kind of nodding off or not paying attention. And he said, listen, guys, I don't know if this is true or not, but if it is, it's a great story. Um, he said, listen, guys, I make the cuts. I may sit here and talk for two hours. And if you fall asleep or you're on your phone or you're talking to your neighbor, that'll be the cut today. It may have nothing to do with basketball. It will have to do with character and your ability to listen. Man, that's, a great, that's like something you see in a Hollywood uh, movie, right? The other thing I love... Uh, is, uh, if I remember right, you have like three goals you tell the guys. Guys, I want you to be good men. I want you to be good students. And then I want you to be good ball players. Man, what, a, what an awesome testimony of priorities. And then behind the doors of a locker room, he would even say, I want you to be godly men. Even more than just good men, I want you to be godly men. So it uh, takes a lot of boldness to do that. Let me just ask you this as the last question. What are some ways that are, are there any ways that our church can be a blessing to you, your family, or to the basketball team? Absolutely. Well, yes, story's true. Um, in terms of keeping the kids uh, and, and talking to them for a few hours, I've actually done it a couple of times this season where we were in study hall and I had to deal with academic stuff that wasn't going right. And I said, we'll just stay here for two hours and wait for the bus to come because you guys need to hear this. And I, I always reference God is speaking to me, and he's just letting me know, like, he's letting me know what you need in these moments. And so um, I, I like the basketball season because I always say, see, you thought you were coming for this, and I put the basketball, but I got you here for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and uh, yes, and so, um, so for me, 
uh, coming back has just been such a blessing. I, when I walked in the, the building to interview for the position and I drove through the uh, town and I went to the school, I just said, I'm home. And I walked into the school and I said, I'm home. And I went to the community center and seen Bob. I'm like, I'm home. And I went to the Boys and Girls Club and I'm just like, wow. And where I let the spirit sort of take me is I'm listening to the stories and I'm seeing the newness of the community and how much it's grown. But I'm seeing and I'm hearing about the disconnects. And so I'm just like inside like, oh, I want to reach out and make sure that we are, you know, we're bringing everyone together and, and through basketball and through working with the kids and the kids of the community and the community members, I have a role that I can play to doing that. And, um, and so I'm extremely passionate and driven and I just feel like it's the spirit that is moving me with that. Um, and, and so in speaking with you, uh, J.D., and meeting you, and I remember you offered, you said, hey, we have the church, we're at the can, you know, anything we can do in terms of food or anything like that, and we have service on Sundays, and we, will, we practice on Sundays, and I was telling J.D. earlier and Nick about how Coach O'Brien's mindset back in high school was, if I give you Saturday and Sunday off, you get in a very lax mindset. You have school on Monday, and if you look at the data, Kids come to school late, maybe not come to school to get the week started. So he started practicing after church on Monday at the Navy Yard YMCA. And he'd make the kids travel from Dorchester and Roxbury all the way here to get up, get their mind, get where going, get to work, and then be ready for school the next day. So I adopted that over the years. Um, and a little bit this year, and I was uh, telling J.D. that we, we try to practice and maybe practice at the camp. And he, and he said, well, you know, we have service in the cafeteria, and maybe you guys can come and, uh, you know, practice while we're here, maybe get something to eat, maybe fellowship. And boom, like it was just working in my head. And we were, because part, part of uh, with me working at another school, I was at South Boston all year, it was hard for me to be on this side of town and to really make those things happen. But God has truly blessed me because I'll be here this year as a dean of student during the day and the basketball coach. So I'll be here every day, Monday through Friday, uh, and on Sunday, six times a week. So, so now it's like, okay, how can we maybe bring this to life? And I think that, one, I absolutely am going to encourage, motivate, not kind of require, but really try to urge the kids to come on Sunday so that we can fellowship. But also maybe there's a way that we can fellowship, maybe have something to eat. A lot of the kids do go home at night and not have those opportunities, and then maybe have some time to practice. You know, so it does a little bit of everything. And, and one of my goals and what I learned, I still don't even know the official like rule slash law behind school and state where like as an educator, I'm not supposed to, you know, necessarily talk about religion or God and that type and those and like promoting it or you know, trying to, like, you know, uh, get the kids sort of converted or whatever it may be. Um, and so I do it in my own ways. I do it in my own subtle ways. Number one, I talk about how God has been to me in my life and how, how much he's taken care of me. Even when you look at the story and think, how did this happen? And I always say it was God. And that he sent me here to be what Coach O'Brien was to me and to them. Um, so that's one way I always do it. And then the other way is um, before every game, we say a prayer. We 
we, we give thanks to God for having the opportunity. And I, I ask, I respectfully ask kids if they want to join, they can join. If they don't, but everyone always, always joins in. So that's awesome. So I love, you know, uh, the way that I feel that the church could be a great blessing to us is that we can figure out how to uh, collaborate where maybe we do have some gym time and that way we can sort of, we can have the kids fellowship be a part. I really want them, very honestly, my three core values for our program are be a godly person, and I have to say to them a lot of times, be a good person, which means be a godly person, I say to them. Um, number one, number two, you know, be a great student. Just give an effort. Don't, it's not about the grade, it's about the effort. And I, then, I can, then I say, and if you want to do some good things with basketball, you got to give a great effort as well. And then I correlate it by saying, many of you get up, you run hard, you, you work out early, you work out at night, you do all these things, you go the extra mile for basketball, but you have to do that for school, and you have to do that as a person. So I really want to find a way to make sure that our guys are also giving back to the church and the community. So I want to make sure that it's a win-win situation for us all. So, so this is a, yeah... This is a big thing that I want to, at this point, just to begin to pray about, what it would require from, from us for, as a church is that we extend our lease for the school by about an hour or an hour and a half on Sundays, have the extra custodian. I, I don't, and, and so I'm not even sure fully what it is, but this would require us doing like potluck lunch and the, on Sundays and then letting the players come down here and, uh, and be here to practice on Sundays. But what a cool opportunity to minister to our community and, and have a, another godly man here on Sundays with us. So just begin to pray about that. I'm going to begin to do some digging on that, and we'll talk with the folks who oversee the finances and see if we can make it work going into the fall because that'll be an additional thing in our church budget. But, man, I think it's just a great investment in, in these young men's lives. So, um, man, thank you. Let me pray Pleasure. for you real fast. Thank you. And then I just want to share a couple of uh, – just one quick story from the Bible.